Hey guys, I'm here today with Tom Rothmeyer, aka Tom Different. I'm really excited for this episode. I know he has a lot of great information to share. And thank you so much for taking the time to be here today. Thank you, Leah. I really appreciate you having me and I'm very excited for this interview today. We already chatted before, so uh, I'm really, really amazed that I can be here right now and chat a little bit. Yeah, I'm so glad we got to do this. <laughs> so let's start from the beginning. So where are you from and how did you get into cannabis? Uh, okay, so I am originally from Germany. That's also why I have this weird last name, Rothmeier. Uh, and I came into cannabis basically because I started working traveling in Canada 2019. And this work and traveling that I wanted to do ended up with me be uh, starting as a bartender. So basically I didn't do any traveling since I came to Canada pretty much. I only worked in the cannabis industry in Vancouver primarily most of my time. Mm -hmm. And yeah, like I had this big dream of traveling around uh, Canada, but at the same time, I also had this idea of having the opportunity to work with like legal cannabis as well. And yeah, since I started working in the industry, I completely fell in love with my job and with the industry and the community and the people and all of that. And that's how I ended up in the cannabis industry and didn't travel through cannabis, Canada at all. So I've mostly seen just Vancouver so far. <laughs> that's awesome. I still haven't been to Canada. I will go there eventually. And Hopefully, BC Bad is well renowned, so you should come and try. Yes, <laughs> for sure. definitely. So, what have you done in the cannabis industry so far? Uh, so far, okay. So, first, as I was saying, I started as a bartender uh, for City Cannabis, which is a really, really fancy. A uh, cannabis store in Vancouver also has a store on Vancouver Island, and we're also working on a store in Toronto right now. Mm -hmm. uh, basically, started as bartender there, and then I worked my way up from bartender into supervisor position, uh, further up into a position as assistant manager, and then into my current position as knowledge team supervisor. And yeah, I've managed the store, I've educated people about cannabis, sold a lot of cannabis products. And right now what I'm doing is I'm establishing a cannabis testing procedure where we analyze all of the products that we get in the store just to let the LPs know how good the product is and especially to let the consumer know how good the product is as well. And aside from that, I'm also uh, working as an intern lately voluntarily with the Tricom Institute, which is oh. a US-based cannabis education company. And I'm also voluntarily writing articles for the Cannabis Life Network as well, uh, which is an online magazine and media agency out of uh, Vancouver that are also focused on everything around cannabis as well. 
And lastly, I also started helping a little bit as an intern for the cannabis company called Spark and Spur, which are basically uh, helping companies to run Google ad campaigns for their cannabis businesses, because with all of the regulations around cannabis, it's hard to set up a proper Google ad campaign and Spark and Spur basically made it a challenge to find out how to do that. And that's how we can help a lot of companies right now to maximize their online marketing. Wow, you're doing a lot, <laughs> making a big impact. I love that. Thank so, you. I appreciate that. Yeah. So you are a cannabis sommelier, right? So yeah. what education have you gotten in order to receive that title? Uh, so basically I've been through a bunch of education programs. The one that basically certified me at can as cannabis sommelier uh, would have been the CannaReps courses. Those are Canadian cannabis education classes that I took a while ago. I did were cannabis sommelier level one and level two course. But besides being certified as a cannabis sommelier, I'm also certified as an entrepreneur. So that is basically the title of someone who has been through the Tricom Institute's entrepreneur course. Mm -hmm. And basically, I would even say that uh, even though it's not as established as the word sommelier, uh, the entrepreneur is really what a cannabis sommelier would look like because uh, entrepreneur basically empowers someone to look at a cannabis bud, analyze it fully for its quality, and also analyze the bud on where uh, the product sits within a sedative to stimulating spectrum. So you can basically purchase something, look at it, and even without knowing if it's indica or sativa, which is basically also wrong, like old school marketing information. Yeah. Doesn't make too much sense. You can say, okay, I look at this. It has this structure, this amount of pistols, this aroma, this quality. So most likely it will make someone feel sedated or relaxed or uplifted or maybe wow. paranoid if it's like very far on the stimulating side and so on like it's very very in-depth information but it's super super applicable and it makes so much more sense out of cannabis once you're an entrepreneur everything just makes sense suddenly and you're just like wow <laughs> yeah I, I want to learn that stuff so bad because, you know, I am a biology major and I feel like that would just blow my mind so much. I'll have to wait till I get out of school so I have time. But it's crazy. People always ask me like, oh, is this good weed? I'm like, how am I supposed to know? Like, I don't know the in-depth stuff like you do. So yeah. I would love to know that and be like, yes, this is good or this is bad. Like, I'm not very sure about that stuff. Right? Yeah, that's also the funny thing because when I started as a bartender and I got like, consumers asking me how can I look at this and know if it's good or not at the beginning because there's also little education 
out for the bartenders in Canada, unless your company would sign you up with courses or your company would work out courses for you. That's also why there's a lot of misinformation out in the cannabis industry as well, because everyone picks education from like wherever, basically. Places, yeah. Yeah, but uh, with like the Tricom Institute, especially with like the training I did, I went from, yo, I don't really know how to explain you how you can shop for the proper parts to now having standards where a customer doesn't listen to me. And I'm like, yo, but uh, what I tell you makes sense. And this is actually the, the better weed just because this had 26% of THC and this is 20% doesn't mean that this is better. So why are you not listening to me? Oh, there's always going to be people out there that don't listen. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> Speaking of like the Tricom Institute, um, you learn all about the you know trichomes and terpenes. Can you explain uh, the difference between them? Yeah. So basically, we could even like start with this with a little analogy. Is basically, I would say, trichomes are basically the houses of the terpenes. Uh, so basically, what trichomes are are very little white hairs on the cannabis plants and there are two different trichomes by the way so you have glandular trichomes those are all of your houses of the terpenes and cannabinoids those are all of the trichome kinds that contain all of the phytochemicals and then you have your non-glandular trichomes which are basically just like little spikes that help the plant with water absorption, help it with UV lights, and also were kind of like little spikes that ha uh, help insects from hopping onto the plant, basically. So it's like the spikes we put up at Starbucks so no pigeons can like land on it, for example. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> and yeah, so, but the glandular trichomes are basically not spikes, they're like, they all have like bulbs. So basically like the bulb, pardon? Like mushrooms. Like mushrooms, yeah. They yeah. look a little bit like mushrooms and same as with mushrooms that you have like the most of what you want on the mushroom is like the cap of it rather than the stalk, right? Yeah. So the glandular trichomes, the stalks doesn't really matter. So if you look at a plant and you see a lot of glandular trichome stalks, but no big bulbs on them, you can already know that it's most likely not going to be as high of a quality product as something that's like full of the bulbs because um. basically all of the terpenes, all of the cannabinoids, everything you smell with cannabis, everything that makes you high, everything the cannabis is about is in the bulbs. And that's basically why trichomes are so awesome because if there wouldn't be any trichomes, weed would just be a herb that doesn't do anything to you wow yeah that's super super important oh i can't wait to learn about that stuff yeah especially especially sooner or later it also gets really fun because what i can recommend everyone who's really passionate about their cannabis is a lot of people have like little chulas loops to inspect their cannabis but what I would recommend, because it's also almost the same price as a Chula's loop, is go on Amazon, buy a digital microscope, 
And this takes your cannabis observation to the next level. And it also makes so much fun because whenever you look at all of the trichomes with a digital microscope, it's like opening up an entire new world of cannabis that's within the bud, I would say. Yeah, wow. I should definitely do that. So, let me see. So besides those, like the trichomes, what else do you look for when like determining like what is good cannabis? Are there other things you look for? Yeah, so basically there are a lot of different aspects. So when I was like um, establishing the cannabis grading system that I wanted to have as objective as possible because I don't want our results to be uh, biased by anyone's opinion. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, how something could get very easily biased is someone smelled something and it smells stunk, uh, stinky and it smells skunky and it smells cheesy. Uh -huh. Like, what the fuck is this? This smells like sock. This is so <laughs> disgusting. Like, this is not a good smell. But cannabis has paradoxical smells. So sometimes if something's really stinky and almost like doesn't smell good, if it's if you're an entrepreneur or a cannabis sommelier, you will know how cannabis is supposed to smell. And some strains smell really stinky and really cheesy and are still great cultivars. While if some other cultivars smell more like straw or salt or like acidic honey, then you can uh, see that the quality lacks or that were maybe some some undesirables, especially like mold often smells like acidic honey. Or if all of your terpenes are go gone, for example, uh, all you will be able to smell is basically herbs and straw because all you're smelling is the chlorophyll and the plant material itself rather than the distinct oils, which are the terpenes that give like cannabis the distinct smell basically oh, and wow. that's basically why we're also looking at the smells as well we're looking at the color of the buds because if a bud is older same with the plant material the chlorophyll uh, oxidizes and becomes more brown or like amberish rather than like nice and green mm -hmm. uh, we're looking at the trim as well because trim adds onto the weight of the bud and on the trim, you have less glandular trichomes. So if you have a lot of trim, you have more weight without more chemicals. And you don't want that. You want maximized chemicals for maximized weight, right? Yeah. And so trim as well, trichomes, trichome color, trichome development, uh, and even like the structure, the density of the buds, and very, very important, uh, the moisture levels as well, because also trichomes are very, very volatile. So if you don't cure your product good enough, most of the turps are going to be gone until you like crack your jar open. And that's when most of your turps are gone and you crack your jar open instead of smelling citrus, skunk, fruit, whatever, mm -hmm. all you smell is straw and herbs and maybe if there's a little bit of caryophyllene maybe some pepper but that, um, that's maybe it then so how what do you recommend is like the best way to store 
your flour to like keep it like with the good moisture and high quality? Uh, I would say glass jar for sure, because also with a lot of plastic jars, what some people might don't know as well is that uh, the, the plastic itself, if you look on it with a microscope, it's like not flat. So it has like little, little spikes. And what the, the, the plastic basically can do is it can rip some of your trichome heads off. Yeah. Uh, so sometimes, I don't know if you ever experienced it, you open a plastic jar and you see all of the powder around the jar. Those are all the trichomes that the plastic ripped off your butts, basically. And you don't want that because, as we know, trichomes, terpenes, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Uh, I, I've definitely experienced that. And, like, you know, people who carry around their cannabis in, like, plastic bags, I'm like, ah! <laughs> Yeah. And you're just ripping all the good stuff out of it. Yeah. And especially if the plastic bags, you're also like squeezing the buds uh, and yeah, it's not really good. So I would say glass jar, keep it in a dark place because terpenes are also volatile um, for like light and like also more light, the more light, the more heat, the more volatile the terpenes get. And what I would always, always, always recommend as well is a Boveda pack or a moisture pack with two-way humidity control. Uh, what that basically means is two-way humidity control is that if you have a bud and it's too fresh, one way of humidity control is it brings it to the perfect moisture level. So if it's too fresh, it dries it a little bit out to be at the perfect moisture level. And the second way is if you have a bud that's too dry, it rehydrates it to become to the perfect moisture level. So Boveda packs, Integra packs, or whatever moisture packs are out there, I would always, always recommend to put that together with your buds in a also airtight plastic jar. I would, airtight is almost like the most important because even if you have the glass jar and you just leave it open in your cupboards all the terpenes are just going to be like <laughs> fly away yeah fly away just oxidize yeah good to know so going back to your grading system can you remind me like what you grade um okay what we grade is Bud color, bud appeal, basically the shapes of the buds, uh, the trim, the pungency of the aroma, the complexity of the aroma, the development of the trichomes, the visibility of the trichomes, and also the development, visibility, the color of the trichomes itself as well. And yeah, later on, what we're also doing is we're doing smoke grades as well. So we're also grading the dry pole flavor, the smoke flavor, the smoothness, the ash color. And also we slowly started including the effects of the product as well now. Nice. That's very cool. Yeah, oh. basically all of the smoke grading and all of the... The butt grading is very, very objective. Like I tried, like my biggest obstacle in like establishing all of this was making it as objective as possible. And so with the smoke grading and the butt grading, everything's fully objective, all based on non-biased results. Also because the people who were giving us the results 
also being blind tested so we don't even know the producer or the strain we are looking oh. at <laughs> and the only subjective part that we just included now is the effects but basically the effects we will more use to guide the customer on like how we want to feel because mm -hmm. the effects don't necessarily tell you anything about the quality of the product uh, while the quality only gets like determined through like everything that's objective. So like all of the smoking and the bad appeal as well. Nice, very nice. Uh, so I was looking through your Instagram yesterday, you know, when I was coming up with questions and I saw your post about finding insects in your bud and how it surprised you. And I really want you to share um, what it means and like how it works and all that. Yeah, uh, so that's also with the insects, that's also a very, very good example for, uh, I personally see, or like I hope that sooner or later, all of the stores will like analyze where cannabis is properly as we are doing it. Because basically, besides finding insects, what we often found as well are molds and other undesirables as well. Oh. Even like hairs or like some sorts of strings or like there are a lot of things you don't want in your weed. Sure. And basically those insects, it was very, very interesting for me because those insects were on a product in Canada that was produced by a really, really high grape producer who's charging a lot of money for their cannabis. So I have this weed, which, which is like an eighth for like 60 bucks or something. Oh, geez. Really pricey. Yeah. And when you find insects in there, and the, the, the good thing about it is at least it was only uh, beneficial insects. So it was basically insects that were used at pest control to like go on the bud and like eat all of the bad insects. And mm -hmm. later on in like your growing practices, you have procedures to get those insects off your plants as well. Mm -hmm. uh, but basically because of COVID, that company was a little bit understaffed and we didn't put as much or couldn't put as much effort into their quality control and their grow and everything as well. So basically uh, some of the insects got stuck into the plants. And if you look in at the pictures as well it even looks like some of those insects have melted almost into the trichomes as well oh geez <laughs> uh so personally you don't want insects in your butts because not only gonna is it going to make your uh weed a little bit more harsh but also makes it less flavorful and a Pretty much think that just no one wants to smoke uh, insects in their baths as well. Yeah. But at the same time, uh, what we can say as well is that in like your gray market or like your black market weed back in the day, no one ever looked with a like 1000 times zoom microscope yeah. <laughs> into the bath because those insects you can't see without a microscope like at all, like it's microscopic insect. Wow. But yeah, it also shows us where all of this industry is going right now as well, because if you charge those prices for your cannabis, you shouldn't have any molds or insects or anything like that in it. And because we're not gray market and black market anymore, everyone should just 
observe more cannabis with so much detail so we can sooner or later just have the best product on the market that is possible yeah for sure i feel like there's still a lot of things that slip away like they don't check for and things can happen but i'm hoping things get better soon so we have the highest quality we can get with even with the vapes too like I heard this thing about there being like beard oil or something and some Pax vapes because they found it like reduced the cost of it. Yeah. I was like, oh no. Yeah. That, that's why that's why I would I would love to see one day is that first of all you have lab tests, like lab tests you already have, mm-hmm. but you first of all you should have even more specific lab tests that tell you even more about all of the terpenes and everything that was in the weed. And I think that this should be something that should be available to all of the consumers you're providing your product to. Yeah. And second of all, what I see important is almost not having a grading system like mine uh, that's been done by the government or whatever, but that the stores are going to grade their products individually because basically how it works in Canada here is that you, uh, that the LP is like growing the product and it's packaging it up. Mm-hmm. And then it delivers it to the government's wholesale. And then every one of the stores buys it from the wholesale. Mm-hmm. So it has to get grown, has to get packaged, has to get tested, goes to the wholesale, takes a while. Then it sits at the wholesale for a while. And then it ships to the stores for a while. And then it sits on the store shelf for a while. And then after a few months, maybe even, someone's going to purchase that product. But within that time, if you, for example, have a product that has too much humidity Mm. at the beginning, you won't be able to detect any mold on it. So if you would do grading right away, everything's just always going to be awesome. Right. But later on, all of it can create until it finally arrives at the consumers. So that's basically the reason why I see the stores and like, and especially the bud tenders and like having a big responsibility sooner or later to actually accurately analyze the products before it goes into any of the consumer's hands. Uh And uh, important fun fact about that is already that something like that already exists in the US as well, uh, which is the Tricom Institute's tech program that I don't know if personally if retailers used it so far but it definitely has been used for like cannabis cups and yeah it's a very very highly sophisticated um, program that I even haven't seen yet but from what I know about the Dragon Institute and from what I know about Max Montrose and Brent Nellen who are like the founders of the Dragon Institute is that it's going to be very, very in-depth and that way we'll be able to tell you if your weed's good or not 100%. Good. (laughs) We all need that. So going to another topic, (laughs) um, I just made a post today about cannabis and workouts because, again, I I saw your Instagram and it reminded me, I was like, I still haven't posted about how um, cannabis can um, help your workout in some cases. So... You do that, right? Yeah. Uh, not as often as I used to anymore. 
but yeah, I'm still doing it here in Ver um, because often it just gets me into a way better zone during my workouts, I would say, where I'm really just like focused on working out and especially always listen to music while I'm working out on my headphones as well. And it just gets me way better into a groove as well. Yeah. And what I enjoy as well is also having a joint after the workout as well. Yes. And I've seen your post that you posted today already and the <laughs> recommendations for the post-workout joints are really great as well because you mostly like recommended CBD strains I could see. And yeah, having some CBD after your workout can be very beneficial just because CBD kind of helps your muscles to calm down a little bit and helps with infl inflammation a lot. Mm -hmm. So what I personally do right now is I mostly smoke uh, a CBD THC mixed strain with a little bit of like extra sativa or like very, very stimulating strains to be a little bit more accurate. Yeah. Um, and basically I only smoke half of a half gram joint before the workout. Yeah. And when I smoke the other half that I have left after the workout, because also the fun thing is besides me being a cannabis sommelier and entrepreneur and like testing all the weed is like, and that's also something that I always have to, had to figure out for myself is my tolerance not going up at all. Like I'm trying, people are like, Thomas, what do you mean? For fourth cho joint you're out. Is like, I just realized that my toler tolerance is not going up at all. And I was trying to smoke more weed la lately. But the other day I was hanging out with some of my friends. And while everyone was like having a great time chatting after like six joints or whatever, I was the one who was like lying next to my wife, <laughs> being asleep <laughs> while my wife's alone with all of my friends. And I'm just like, I can't stay awake anymore. Like it's not possible. Wait, you guys had six joints? Yeah, but it was like over, over two hours. Oh my God. Wait, so your tolerance is now four joints, you said? I would say my tolerance is like max two joints a day. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was going to be like, four joints? That's a lot. Like, yeah. <laughs> I was thinking like back to back. You're just like yeah no but it's also funny to see like all the different like tolerance levels as well because i mean i here in work and smoke like a quarter joint in the morning and if it's the wrong strain i might get ripped while my wife wakes up at like eight in the morning takes a bong hit and goes for a run and i'm just <laughs> like what is what is the like how does this work <laughs> yeah no sometimes you know, smoking in the morning can make you really sleepy. And I'm, I hate that. I want to be energized first thing in the morning. Like, yeah, you know, it's just going to put me back down. And I'm like, no. Yeah. And, it's also, yeah. and it's also sometimes even like the hazy or like even very stimulating strains can make you a little bit sleepy as well. And I remember that I, I had this quite often where I wake up and I'm like, oh, I'm so sleepy and I feel a little bit stressed. So I go smoke a joint and then I'm just fuck. <laughs> everything worse <laughs> yeah we always sometimes think... it also makes everything better but sometimes just like what this was a really bad idea right now yeah sometimes it's just not meant to be at the moment like 
it's so weird how it has different effects at different times, like, or different days. Like some days I'll be really relaxed with the same strain or some days I'll be really energized. You know, it's crazy. Yeah, and I also even feel what I discovered lately as well that I want to be posting about or even like researching more about as well is I even feel like weed, even though I'm very, very advocate and like I mostly like say very, very nice thing about weed all the time. <laughs> so don't be mad at me, but I think weed can be very, very habit forming oh, yeah. as well. Also in a negative way, because I've been experiencing a lot of stress with like all the work and everything that's going on also with like my work permits and stuff right now in Canada as well. And I just started using weed to like deal with my stress as well. But here and where what like happens to me now is that basically I get triggered in, into like a stress state. Mm -hmm. And the first response I get from my brain is, yo, you should be smoking weed right now. Yeah. But it's like nine in the morning and I'm like, yo, if I smoke weed right now, I got like articles to write and like phone calls to do and yeah. like podcasts to make. Like I can't be smoking weed right now. So yeah. like, what do you want from me? Yeah, that's the thing. Like, you know, I've, I'm also, you know, obviously a huge advocate, but what made me like take a step back was I was writing um, a research article for school and I wrote about cannabis, uh, how it affects like chronic pain patients and all that. Mm -hmm. And when my uh, teacher or my professor was like, you know, you also have to write about the negative things. <laughs> like there's, even though there's lab reports on cannabis and like all these conditions, it's still not federally legal, which means like they might not be putting out the exact right information, you know, cause they could be put under pressure and stuff like that. But I was like, yeah, there's a lot, there's still like negatives to it. I always forget that there's a lot of adverse side effects, but it's important yeah. to keep in mind because I feel like as advocates, if we're always like, it's a great thing, like it's going to cure all your problems, then it can like turn people off to it as well. If they Yeah, yeah. And that's also, and that's also the thing is like where some of the advocates, especially your very uh, stereotypical stoners, uh sometimes also should like take a little bit of a step back and maybe just educate your audience a little bit more about like tolerance levels as well because basically if you see someone taking like the biggest steps ever on Instagram and you know no, nothing about weed and the next thing you do is you try the same houses you're going to be tripping Balls, so. yeah <laughs> yeah it dosage is like the weirdest thing ever like i was trying to figure out um you know when you try to give advice to people starting for the first time like what dosage they should do like usually they don't take because it if every different method affects people differently like no. especially and you know you try to stay away from like you know getting it from the street or something but dispensary we can be so strong for first timers and it just hits them straight in the head even just like one hit it's crazy yeah. Yeah. i've seen that happen so it's, yeah. i'm like how what am i going to tell first timers to have like i want to give them um the best advice so they can have a good experience and not be turned off by it immediately because that can happen 
Yeah, and that's often where I, as a bartender, even feel like when the when I get a first time and we're leaving the stores, I'm like, please, please, I hope they listen to me because even even if I sell someone the first time a bartender twice quickly sell them something that's a mix of THC and CBD. First advice, second advice, tell them not to smoke the entire joint. Oh, yeah. And I would always recommend to introduce people to cannabis through smoking. And then later on, go into the edibles. Just with the smoking, you can control it way better. Yes. And that's what I mean with controlling and like being uh, scared about my first first time I was leaving the store as well. Because I'm like, yo, just take like three puffs of this and just put it out afterwards and see how you feel. And I always really hope that we just listen and not smoke like the entire half-gram joint, because even though it's just THC and CBD, uh, if you're a first timer, you never know what's gonna happen to you and how it's gonna affect you. Yeah, that's for sure. We definitely, <laughs> everyone's body's different. Oh yeah. So what is your favorite way to consume cannabis? My favorite way is hands down joints, pretty much only joints. Like I, I also have like a volcano at home and I have a lot of dry herb vaporizers, but joints the only way to go for me because especially being an entrepreneur, being a cannabis sommelier and like always paying so much attention to all of the products that I'm smoking, uh, you can't and you can fight me. You can try to argue with me, but I tell you, you can't grade your cannabis you can can't evaluate the quality of your weed with a dry hair vaporizer or a bong or a pipe it's gotta be a joint though yeah definitely i um i've i have asthma but um i use a vape as my go-to method because it's actually like the difference between me smoking regular cannabis and vaping like when i was i started I was, you know, smoking, 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 like regularly. I started yeah. coughing a lot because it was irritating my throat and all that. But vaping is so much less harsh. Like it just easy. And I don't yeah. have any coughing problems. I'm like, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> I actually know a lot of people who are struggling with asthma who are like into vaping. We also have one of my coworkers, his name is Ben. We also call him the Dab King because Ben's the Dab King and knows everything about dabs and takes the dabs <laughs> all day long. Oh and gosh. Ben also has like problems with asthma and still wants to like smoke quality products. So he just gets quality dabs and dabs all day. Because also for the people who didn't know, dabbing isn't smoking, dabbing is also vaping. Right, he's heating it up and yeah. I actually, I have a post about um, cannabis and asthma, if anyone wants to check that out. And yeah, I heard pinene, pinene is a great terpene for asthma too. It opens up there. Anyway, uh, what are some of your favorite strains if you can even pick? <laughs> favorite strains. So I would, I would more so basically from the, Canadian side right now one of my favorite products out on the market is called the nice cream by Ness which is basically a ice cream cake phenotype uh, I mostly don't even try to use strain names personally by the way because basically 
strain names. If you watch any Tricom Institute videos or if you check out Max Montrose on YouTube, you will hear that strain names don't matter. And from someone who's analyzing all of the products on the Canadian market, I can tell you strain names really don't matter because you can have, for example, uh, Sean Ghee, that's a really nice citrusy, perfect buds. And you have a Sean Ghee that is brown and tastes like, and like smells like straw. <laughs> but still both Sean Ghee and gives you the same effects. Uh, right. So it matters where it comes from. It, it matters where it's not even where it comes from, but it just matters how good the product basically is. Because yeah. also the, the, the like strains that are more like smelling like plants and straw because you don't have terpenes, you will get a very, very numb high because you won't have any entourage effect. So basically your high won't lead either towards something more stimulating or towards something more sedative. You just get stoned, basically. Mm. That's pretty much it. And so I would say for me, mostly the strains that I like are on the indica side, the ones that are very skunky and very creamy. Mm. I'm not as much into the earthy and very, very piney ones because those sometimes even trigger a little bit of anxiety for me mm. if they're very, very earthy. Uh, on the more stimulating side, I would say I mostly like orangey and creamy strains. Uh, nothing that's too overstimulating, so not too hazy strains with like too much terpenoline, because those ones can get quite in my head as well. Ooh. And otherwise, I would say one of my favorite strains as well is mango haze. So like CBD and THC with a more uplifting vibe to it as well. And 50-50 hybrids like Mech 1, for example, are really great as well, because those just, I just like, I'm like a very creative person. So I like if I don't overthink everything that I'm thinking about. And that's just what like very stimulating strains really like to do with me very often. Wow, that's good to know. I mean. I, you're, I bet you definitely overthink when you like, because <laughs> you know so much about it that you're, it definitely probably gets you, but. Yeah, and it's also not only like overthinking like the weed I smoke, but it's even like, like sometimes, sometimes those strains give me like so many ideas or like remind me of all the things that I have to work on. And I'm just like, whoa, 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 like slow down. Do <laughs> Oh, that's funny. And I'm so, like, yeah, I should start writing this article, but at the same time, I'm also sitting there being like, yo, I, I, I want a cookie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, what do you see yourself doing in the cannabis industry in the future? Like, what are your goals? My goals, I would say, is. I would say I want to become an educator and a content creator. Uh, but at the same time, I also really want to help the stores and the government analyze where cannabis better. So we can make way more sense out of this plant as well. 
And yeah, big, big goal is that I want that most of the people who are considered high professionals in the industry, or even just like most of the bartenders, take the Tricom Institute's courses so we can actually start making sense out of this plant and not uh, use sativa and indica as the terms just because it's pretty inaccurate. And yeah, I just want to uh support stepping away from this old school terminology and also educate the consumers about it because to be stepping away from all of this old school terminology the consumer has to get it because it doesn't matter if all the bartenders know about that stuff and the consumer just gets super confused that yeah. his his edibles suddenly don't get some stimulated every more anymore because Edibles generally just don't get you too uplifted. It's more like um, placebo as well, but that's also what a lot of people don't know. And speaking from experience, if you tell a customer that the edible that's labeled as sativa won't get them uplifted because it's edible, the customer will not want to talk to you anymore because you will ruin their entire cannabis experience. Oh, God. <laughs> that's good to know. I yeah, need it. I need some, like, I need to get trained myself because I would definitely want to be a bud tender soon. So I, yeah, I need to know certain things, like what not to say to them to turn them off. <laughs> but yeah, I think we got a good amount of information out. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here today. I really appreciate it. I learned a lot. And I'm sure my listeners are going to learn a lot too from this. No worries. I hope that I wasn't talking too much or like talking no. too fast or something. No, you, you did amazing. Thank you. Nice. And yeah, if you want to ever become a bartender, get more knowledgeable about cannabis or any one of your viewers as well. The easiest way is before you reach out to me and be like, be like Thomas, can you like educate me about all of this stuff? Yo, I'm pretty busy. All you have to do is take the Tricom Institute courses. Those are the guys who told me everything. So we're going to tell you everything. And boom, we're at the same level of cannabis expertise in like two weeks. Uh, <laughs> I will get there. I will. Nice. Okay. Well, thanks, Leah, for having me. I really enjoyed chatting with you. And thank you so much. I really enjoyed it as well. Awesome. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, it's Justin Benton, host of the Miracle Plant Podcast, where we discuss this miracle plant that goes by so many names and how it's helping people in so many extraordinary ways. So if you love this plant and you want to hear a story that tugs on those heartstrings and learn more about this plant, then head on over to the Miracle Plant Podcast. You'll be glad you did.